If you've got a Bible with you, you might like to turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. And I'm reading from verse 38. Luke, chapter 10, reading from verse 38, at the home of Martha and Mary. As Jesus and his disciples went on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I'm guessing that uh, the story of uh, Martha and Mary is uh, familiar to some of you. Is this a story that we feel that we know quite well? Yeah? yeah? Thank you, Lynn. Thank you. <laughs> Somebody's listening. <laughs> yeah, a story that we've, uh, we've looked at lots of times and, uh, and we, know, we know the story. Uh, we know how it goes and, uh, and maybe we imagine that we know uh, where any preacher preaching on this story is going to go. Well, this morning I want us to, uh, to think about trying to be Mary... In a Martha world, trying to be a Mary in a Martha world. One of the questions that you are expecting the preacher to ask is, are you a Mary or a Martha? Which one are you? Are you a Mary or a Martha? And uh, you can find lists of uh, traits, perhaps, of, of Mary, Mary characters and Martha character. Mary, the listener, the thinker, the still quiet, attentive, sensitive, loyal one. Martha, uh, the doer, the hospital, the hospitable worker, demanding, worrier, angry, distracted. And uh, maybe you identify with one character more than the other. But one writer says it's amazing that these five verses have managed to reverberate through, throughout history and time and time again being reduced to such a simple question as are you a Mary or a Martha? Well, we're not going to ask that question this morning. And um, I'm not sure that that is what this passage is really about. Trying to be a Mary in a Martha world. You see, I want us to, uh, to stop and, uh, and to look and uh, to listen. Some of you will, uh, those, uh, those words will remind you of uh, perhaps when you were a child and uh, you were told that when you approach a, a road that what you must do is stop and, and look to see if there's any cars coming and then just to make sure, listen. Well, I want us to uh, approach this story this morning uh, with those same three words. I want us to stop and, uh, and to look and to listen about what is actually going on in this interaction between Jesus and Martha. Uh, you'll notice that Mary doesn't speak. She's a silent one. 
Uh, and this is very much about a story about uh, what happens between uh, Jesus and Martha. And it's Martha, really, that we're going to be uh, concentrating as, as we stop and as we look and as we listen. And uh, the first question I want to ask is, what's so wrong with being a Martha? What is so wrong with being a Martha? Already in your minds, you've, 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 you've known the story and you think, well, Mary's the good one. She's the example that we should be following. And, Mary's the, and Martha's the one that get gets it wrong. And this morning I want us to, to, to hang on a minute, to, to stop and, uh, and to look and actually to listen, to listen to the words. What's wrong? What's so wrong with being a Martha? You know, the, the church wouldn't run if we didn't have people who are Marthas, would it? Uh, we rely heavily on people that volunteer and work and serve. Um, the worship group meets and practice and, and leaders in worship. Uh, the technicians, you know, they work terribly hard at making sure there's no problems in the service and, and it runs smoothly and, and without any, anything going wrong. And the Sunday school teachers go out and, and prepare classes and, and teach and all these, all, all these jobs, the, the people that serve coffee, the people that welcome you on the door, the people that produce the notice sheet, they all do these, these jobs voluntarily without any pay. I'm the only person that gets paid here, folks. Uh, everybody else is, is working uh, out of the goodness of their hearts, where would we be without the Marthas? I mean, Martha's a hospitable one, isn't she? So, let's try and uh, get rid of the kind of uh, the image that maybe we have of, of Martha as the one who says, I know you enjoy these verily, verily mumbo-jumbos, but there's real work to be done. There's real work to be done. And I guess if, we, if we're really honest and, and we stop, uh, many of us actually can identify with Martha. Um, many of us know what it feels like, don't we, to, to be left to perhaps doing all the work. You know, there's been a, an event at church and everybody's enjoyed themselves, everybody, but somebody's got to clear up afterwards, haven't they? And uh, my money's on Martha. My money's on Martha. I don't think Mary's going to be... I don't think we're going to find Mary in the kitchen washing up. My money's on Martha. And of course the danger, the danger with this idea of, uh, of, 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 of saying, am I a Mary or a Martha, is what we actually do is we tend to spiritualise uh, either our own characteristics or our own preferences. And we tend to think that whichever our characteristics and preferences are, that's the more spiritual. So if we, ha- we happen to be a more quiet, reflective sort of person, the danger is that we spiritualise that and we say that's how everybody should be. And if we happen to be the sort of person that that can't leave, uh, you know, the washing up or whatever it is uh, there, it has to be done, we can tend to spiritualise that and, and say that that's the best way to do things. So... Many of us can identify with Martha because uh, we have a lot on our plates. Uh, we do live in a, in a busy, hectic world with lots of demands upon us. And part of this story is, is that how can we be a Mary in a Martha world? Because most of us do live in a Martha world. Most of us live in that world where the phone's always ringing where there's always somebody demanding time. So let's have a look. 
let's stop and see what's going on. And uh, let's notice at first that Jesus and his disciples were on their way. To, they came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. It was Martha that opened her home to Jesus and offered, offered hospitality. And in doing that, of course, uh, somebody had to prepare the hospitality. It wasn't going to prepare, the meal wasn't going to prepare itself by itself. Um, the more spiritual ones will perhaps say, well, where's your faith? You know, pray and, uh, and the food will appear. Uh, but Martha felt that somebody needed to actually prepare it and go in the kitchen and, uh, and cook it and prepare it. And so let's recognize that Martha is the one that opened her home to Jesus. Let's look and let's notice that to start with. But, there's always a but, isn't there, in, in these things. There's always a, a but. Uh, and let's stop and let's look and let's notice that uh, Martha, while she's opening her home and uh, while she's preparing, uh, she was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She was distracted. And uh, I wonder, what are you distracted by? What are the things that uh, distract us? Are you the kind of person that's easily distracted? Look at yourself and, 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 and think, you know, what are the things that distract you? You know, you, you set out with all good intentions, uh, to enter into this 40 days of mercy and you've got the book and the readings and you, you, you're determined to do it and then you get distracted and suddenly you're a day behind and two days behind and before you know it, you're a week behind and you think, oh, there's no point in doing this. Uh, how easily are we distracted? And what about those distractions in church? How easily are we distracted from the mission of God? Uh, things happen, don't they? Situations that arise and, and we are distracted and our concentration and time and effort is suddenly on something else rather than the main thing. Even now, as we worship God, uh, how easily do things come into our mind? I've got to cook the dinner. I've got to go and visit this person. Uh, I've got a list of things that I need to do. I've got somebody I've got to speak to. We're so easily distracted. And, uh, of course, Martha uh, was distracted. And so she comes to Jesus and she asks, and let's just stop and, and, and just think about what Martha does. She comes to Jesus. And let's, let's listen to what Martha says, and really listen to what Martha says. Because what she says is, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work. Don't you care? And she asks, she feels that maybe Jesus doesn't care. And I wonder whether there are people here this morning uh, who feel a little bit like Martha. Listen to Martha's words. And what is it that you don't think Jesus cares about? What is it that you just think Jesus just doesn't care about this situation? Maybe it's something that you've, you've been to Jesus about time and time again and uh, the situation hasn't changed, the problem's still there and you feel that Jesus just doesn't care. Just stop and think. Are the things 
that have happened that you feel that Jesus didn't care in that situation about what was happening to me. Because that's where Martha's standing. She's come to Jesus, but she doesn't think he cares. And not only that, let's listen. Listen to what Martha says. Tell her to help me. Jesus, tell her to help me. Tell her to come back into the kitchen and to help me with the preparations. And I wonder, as we listen to Martha's words, do you ever tell Jesus what to do? Do you ever tell Jesus what to do and your immediate action is, of course not. I wouldn't do anything quite so audacious. I wouldn't tell Jesus what to do. I'm sure Jesus knows what to do in every situation. I was at the minister's conference a a couple of weeks ago and uh, one of the speakers was talking about prayer and he said very often the way that we pray is a little bit like this. There's a situation that arises that causes us concern. For Martha, it was the fact that she was left doing all the work and she felt that Jesus didn't care. So what happens with this situation is, is we come up with a solution. We decide what needs to be done in this situation. Martha decided that the, the, the solution to this situation was that Jesus would tell Mary to get into the kitchen. Problem solved. And uh, what we do is we turn that into supplication. And in our prayers, sometimes what we do without realising what we're doing is we're telling Jesus what we think he ought to do in this situation. There's a problem. We've already come up with a solution and we tell Jesus what needs to be done. And in this story, we see that that isn't how it works. Or rather, that isn't how Jesus works. It isn't how Jesus operates. It isn't that Jesus doesn't care. Let's stop and let's look and let's listen to what Jesus says and how Jesus responds and how Jesus reacts to Martha. Martha who feels that Jesus doesn't care. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha. And uh, if it helps, just stop and listen And uh, put your name in the place of Martha, Richard, Richard, Peter, Peter, whatever your name is. Put it there and hear Jesus saying to you. And I hear, and I hear Jesus saying, Martha, Martha, I hear Jesus speaking tenderly and lovingly and caringly. And sometimes just the way that we speak to people can show them that we care. Just the tone of our voice. Just the way that we are can demonstrate how much we care. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. And listen to what Jesus says. You are worried and upset about many things. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Listen to Jesus speaking those words. What are you worried and upset about? What are the many things that you are worried and upset about this morning? Because Jesus comes and he says, Martha, Martha. He knows what worries us, what upsets us. 
and he demonstrates his care in the way that he speaks. And uh, the picture demonstrates Jesus holding Martha as he says it. But then Jesus goes on to say, and again we need to stop and we need to uh, look and we need to, to listen. Because Jesus says, but only one thing is needed. Only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. One thing. Do you notice the contrast? Martha is worried and upset about many things. And Jesus said there's only one thing that matters. Martha's upset and worried about many things. And Jesus brings it all down to one thing. And I know what you're thinking. (laughs) What is the one thing? What is it? We want to know, don't we? We want to know what this one thing is that we should be concentrated on. Oh, we, we've all got the many things. We can, we know what they are. We've all got them, many things. Uh, we could list them. We could all come up with a list of things that we are worried and upset about. But what's this one thing? Because maybe if we could discover what that was, it would give a bit of balance to the many things that concern us. What is the one thing? What is it? What is that one thing? Well, for that, we do need to look at Mary. We've been thinking about Martha. But we're told that Martha had a sister called Mary. And if we stop and just for a moment look, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he he said. Mary sat at the Lord's feet. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? And as we read that phrase, we shouldn't think of Mary sat there kind of looking up all gooey-eyed at Jesus. Um, But that phrase, sitting at the Lord's feet, uh, just think about that at the moment. What does that mean? Someone that sits at the Lord's feet. Well, it's a description that identifies Mary as a disciple of Jesus. A disciple of Jesus was somebody that sat at Jesus' feet. That's what Mary was doing. She was sitting at Jesus' feet. She was acting and behaving like a disciple of Jesus. At that moment, there should have been a gasp in the congregation. Um, But you see, you missed it, didn't you? You don't think anything of it. Mary sat at Jesus' feet... And you're like, so what? Tell us something we don't know, Richard. What's so amazing about that? What's so radical about that? Well, I'll tell you what's so amazing and radical about that. I'll let Tom Wright tell you. To sit at someone's feet meant quite simply that you were their student, if you sat at their feet. And you say, yeah, well, so what? So what? So Mary was uh, one of Jesus' disciples. So Mary was uh, a student of Jesus. She wanted to listen and take on board what Jesus has said. What's so amazing about that? Well, this is a warning, not before you cross the road, but before you cross the railway line. Warning, stop, look and listen. And this is what Tom Wright says. 
The real problem between Mary and Martha wasn't the workload that Mary had in the kitchen. You see, we thought it was, don't we? We thought she was getting all excited and, and, and cross about the fact that she was left with all the work. Tom Wright suggests that that wasn't the problem. No, the real problem was that Mary was behaving as if she was a man. In that culture, houses were divided into male space and female space, male roles and female roles. And Mary had crossed an invisible line. That's why we missed it. That's why we weren't shocked. That's why there was no gasp when we found out that Mary was sat at Jesus' feet. Mary had crossed an invisible but very important boundary within the house and another equally important boundary within the social world that they lived in. She was acting in the way that men act. And Wright goes on to, to explain the public rooms were where the men would meet, the kitchen and other quarters unseen by outsiders belonged to the women. For the woman to sit down comfortably among the men was bordering on the scandalous. You see, we've read that story so many times and we didn't realise it was a scandal. Who did she think she was? Only a shameless woman would, have, would behave in such a way. She should go back into the woman's quarter where she belonged. To sit at the feet of the teacher was a decidedly male role. The one thing. What is the one thing? Well, the one thing was to be a disciple of Jesus. And uh, Jesus was radical in the fact that he included women amongst his disciples. In Jesus' day, uh, there were plenty of teachers, plenty of rabbis with disciples... Uh, but the rabbis were male and the disciples were male. And the women's place was in the kitchen. Uh, some of us grew up in a, a world that wasn't so dissimilar to that. I can, uh, you know, my memories of my mother uh, uh, was that she was in the kitchen. My father went out to work and my mother was in the kitchen and she did the cleaning and the cooking. Uh, but times have changed, haven't they, men? Times have changed. Uh, and Jesus was way ahead of his time in including women amongst his disciples. And uh, women played a, a huge part in following Jesus. It, it was the women uh, who were stood around the cross. It was the women that went to the tomb. It was the women who were the first people to hear the news that Jesus had risen. It was the women that took the news that Jesus had risen. It was the women that played a huge part. And the one thing, well, the one thing was being a follower and a disciple of Jesus. And that's what Mary had chosen to do. And she was breaking all the social barriers and boundaries and crossing lines that weren't to be crossed. And that's what Martha was really upset about. She was concerned for what people would think about her sister. What will people think about Mary? She's in there with the men. She'll think... People will think that's wrong. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. And so we stop. And we look. And we listen. Jesus affirms her right 
to be a disciple. Jesus affirms Mary's right to be a disciple. And Jesus wants you and I to be disciples, to follow Jesus. That's the one thing that he wants us to do. Yes, we know about the many things that we may want to do, that we worry about and we're anxious about and upset about. And we have lists and there's many things, but Jesus brings it all down to one thing. It's about following him. It's about choosing to follow him. We're not told how Martha responded. It's one of those stories, isn't it, that, you know, what happened next? Did Martha kind of uh, shake her shoulders and kind of shrug her and, and kind of exhale and go back into the kitchen and bang the pots about and make as much noise as she possibly could? Or did she join Mary? We don't know. We don't know. Is Jesus offering Martha the same opportunity as Mary? Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things. You see, the challenge is it's taking Mary moments in a Martha world because, as we said, Right at the beginning, we do live in a Martha world. We live in a busy, distracted world where there are so many things that are competing for our time, for our effort, for our energy. And there is a sense in which, yes, there's nothing wrong with being a Martha. There's nothing wrong with being a hard worker. We want people to be uh, serving uh, and ministering to people. Jesus, look at Jesus' life. Uh, Jesus wasn't, it isn't about this, whether you are a, a worker or a more quiet contemporary. Look at Jesus' life. He did find times and moments to go away and be quiet. But he also ministered to people. He washed the disciples' feet. He cooked the disciples' meals. He provided meals for 5,000 people. He healed people. He went out on the road. He was always on the move ministering to people. It's about finding that balance. Finding merry moments in a Martha world. And the challenge for you and I is to make the one thing the main thing. Is to sit at Jesus' feet and to listen to what he says. But then to act upon it. And that's the difficult bit. And that's where we've got to be a Martha. Because we need to go from having been with Jesus and then act accordingly. And that being with Jesus ought to change and transform us into being more like him. Because that's what disciples did. They tried to copy their teacher. That's why they followed him round. They literally followed him round, observed him, looked what he did in situations, and then they tried their best to do the same. That's what being a disciple is. And Jesus says, this is the one thing, this is the main thing, this is what I'm calling you to do. Yes, lots of people say, yeah, but you've got to do this, you've got to do that, and they'll come up with a whole load of tick lists that you've got to do. But I'm saying, there's just one thing, follow me. Follow me in every situation. Not just when you're singing songs in church, but when you're out in the world, working away, when you're in the kitchen. When you're in the school, when you're in the park, when you're on the bus, when you're in the supermarket, follow me. So it doesn't matter, you see, whether you're a Mary or a Martha. 
you're still called to make the one thing the main thing.